This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. 39 years ago, I met a blonde-haired guy in the dorm room next to mine. I was intrigued. He played guitar. I didn't. He had a blue Chevy Nova, a two-door, and he liked the outdoors. He liked to fish. There were a couple things I was unsure about, though. He said he really didn't care that much about hunting deer or elk. He was a bird hunter. Fine, but not a deer hunter? Really? And his room was in disarray. I mean, there, there were crumpled dollar bills under his desk. That happened once. But we hit it off, and the rest is history because, (laughs) Dave, you gave it away. This guy's become a lifelong friend. He's sitting right here beside me. He's my partner on Two Guys in a River, and that is Dave Getz. (laughs) So, Matt, I don't even want to know what your first impressions were of me. So. (laughs) Well, let's let, so let, why we, don't we I begin? Move, we can move on. That's, yeah, that's why, not why, in the script. Just, oh. why don't I just start? Well, what I remember oh, was great. a sparkling clean dorm room on the first floor. <laughs> it was the corner, was the first one on the right with carefully placed items on an organized <laughs> desk, desk in the center of the room. You are a hyper, hyper serious student conscientious oh, and a rule following person. I know I'm a firstborn. What can I say? I felt say? like my mission in life. You know why we became friends? Because I took you on as my mission. <laughs> I felt like my mission was to loosen you up a bit. I think you probably did. Well, between you and my wife, she said the same thing. That's been her mission. I, I think you both succeeded. <laughs> well, and I think you've, you've probably helped me become more buttoned oh, up. You know, with your, know. Uh, it's a great gift. We balance each other out. Well, this is a fly fishing podcast, but today we want to talk about two guys and a friendship. Uh, This is not one of those episodes where we're going to talk about how to improve your cast or what dry fly patterns work best on uh, Montana's Madison River. We have other podcasts that do that. Uh, We want to talk about friendship, including how fly fishing has enriched our friendship. But uh, just to warn you up front, just to give you the big disclaimer, this is about friendship. Yep. And so if you're looking for that, you may want to skip to the next one. Yeah. But if you care about friendship and and how I help Dave uh, become more organized, no, there's there's nothing in it about that. Oh, goodness. So, Dave, you said that friendship starts with the mindset. So let's begin there. What what do you mean by that? The whole idea for this episode came about when I was uh, having dinner one night with my wife's cousin, who was a coach and a GM in the NBA, and he was telling me a story about his last days as the head coach for the LA Lakers. And we got on the topic of superstars and, and I made some stupid comment. He go, and like, I'm sure that all the players on the bench often defer to the stars. I think our conversation was around James Worthy and I think Randy had benched James Worthy and there was kind of an uproar about that. And, and, and he said, and then Randy pauses and he says, no, Dave, that's kind of conventional thinking. He said, every player at the NBA level thinks he is better than everyone else, no matter the gap in skills. It's simply how they think. That is fascinating. It wow. It is totally oh, fascinating huh. and totally counter to what I thought. I thought, you know, if, you, if James Worthy is on my team, I'm, you know, I'm going to defer to him. And he said, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not how they think at that level. Man. So I thought about that for a while as it related to the first half of life in particular and how men, and I'm not going to comment generally at all about women, 
And, um, but how men often believe, certainly in the first half of life, that they're better than other men, right? Hyper-competitive. Yeah. And even if you're mm-hmm. not competitive like in a specific sport, but in different things, like I'm smarter than that person, I'm more analytical than that person. But at a core level, you know, we all have our insecurities, but many of us go around thinking we're better than others. I think it's part of the part of the human condition, don't you? Oh, yeah. And in that kind of mindset, then you're saying it works against forming a friendship, right? I do. I, I think it, I think it is a barrier and can be a barrier. Obviously, in the first part of life, um, again, we're talking about an archetype. We're talking about one model, one way of looking at this. Yeah. So this isn't truth in its right and like you beauty. said we're, we're talking about men we're not going to talk about women yeah. because uh, my sense is i think they do a better job yeah as an uh, archetype they do yeah, yeah. right absolutely yeah they do. but i think it's one reason why men in their 40s and and beyond uh certainly and beyond often don't have a lot of friends hmm. and in the yeah. first third of our adult life many of us males are we're getting married having kids paying mortgages and we're trying to be, build a career of some sort and you know whatever the profession is, whether it's teaching or being a pastor or you know my little tiny business or corporate or whatever it is, but I think part of this ascent of that is to is is to bypass other men. I mean, it's certainly true in the corporate yeah. world, right? Mm-hmm. You want to get promoted as opposed to the person who's sitting next to you. You hope that you get promoted, and and so I think there's a social isolation that can happen over time. I think. You don't, it's not really exposed until your 40s or 50s. I'm hmm. not sure that's, why that is. That's interesting. But anyway, Nicholas Kristoff. Maybe, maybe it's because, like you said, you're so busy trying to, you know, you're just trying to do life. You know, yeah, you exactly. Kids to raise, and you're trying to get your career headed. And it's not until later that maybe, well, you may not realize it, but that, that others start noticing that. Well, I, I think one time, when one, one moment that you notice it is when you start to, kind of hit limits in life. So this is a true story. So the other day, um, my son Corey, uh, well, my son Corey has a really good friend that he wrestled with since he was fourth or fifth grade, and now they're both in college. And and uh, and so my son is in college. He doesn't wrestle anymore. And so I thought, man, I still want to go to wrestling matches at Wheaton North because I miss it. So I went to one the other night. It was the uh, – it was a, a – the arch rival, Glumbard North. And so Mm. I walked in and I saw Corey's best friend's father, who I become friends with. And he's just a little bit younger than I am. And I almost didn't recognize him. I thought, man, why does he look so different? So I walked up to him. I said, hey, how you doing? You know, how things going? And he, he pauses and he goes, I'm hurting, Dave. I've got uh, pancreatic cancer wow. and I'm, I've, it's in my liver and in my, um, and in my pancreas. Mm. Mm. And I, I was floored, right? Yeah. So that conversation doesn't happen a lot when you're in your twenties and thirties. Yeah. It does, no. you know, but it's more, and so it was a really powerful moment wow. for me. Oh, I bet. And I think there are, there are times when, I, when we get, either there's limits in career mm-hmm. or limits in terms of health or yeah. we get, someone gets divorced or yeah. kid, you know, all of us have troubles with kids and they don't go like we thought they were going to go. So anyway, yeah. Nicholas Kristof, uh, who is a New York Times columnist, recently wrote, and this is what he said. It was really powerful. He said, social isolation is more lethal than smoking 15 cigarettes a day or even obesity, according to this research that was published 
um, by Brigham Young University. Wow. And if you Google the idea of social or male isolation, I mean, man, you can find a billion articles on the topic. So we're not talking about anything new. No. But there was another study that linked friendship to well-being uh, in one's later years. And there was a 2005 Mm. Australian longitudinal study on aging, and Mm. it found that family relationships had little interestingly enough, if any impact on longevity, but friendships wow. increased life expectancy by as much as 22%. Wow. I almost don't believe that statistic. No, I know it. That really is amazing. It's so counterintuitive wow. that your family, oh. I don't know. I'm sure oh. if you have no family, that would change yeah. things. So I guess what I'm saying is this mindset which we many of us have. I'm better than you. You know, when you and I were both freshmen, and mm-hmm. there's a sense of competing. Oh, yeah. But this right. mindset that we have that I'm better than you, which I think is one form of competition, mm-hmm. is fine in your 40s and 50s if you want no friendships, yeah. right? Yep. It's simply impossible to have yep. a meaningful or deep friendship with someone you feel is inferior to you. This is not merely on a tactical level, such as fishing, like right. what we mm-hmm. talk about, but really at a meta level. Yep, it is. And like you said, that social isolation happens over time, and those, those kinds of habits uh, uh, lead to that. Yeah, you, you talked about when we were younger. I, I, I noticed we were a lot more competitive then. and I mean, we, we'd argue about stupid things. We'd see an antelope, and... The sign of the you know the size of that pronghorn's horn. I'd say that's ah, 15 inches. You say no, it's 16. You know, like we could really tell. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, we we would. But we had to argue. Oh, we had to get into an argument about that. And it's it's not that, it's not that friendships can't have a healthy sense of competition. But if that's the way you approach the world, if that's the way you approach other people, that you have to be better than everybody else. First of all, you're pro- you're not going to be. There's always going to be somebody better. But secondly, even if you are, what's so? Yeah. Uh, so what? Yeah. And how's that going to help you form uh, relationships? Well, the thing is, you're better in one specific thing. Like you're really, really good at preaching. You're really, really good at academics. You're really good at Ugaritic or Akkadian. I'm not. So as you get older, you realize no. You're, everybody's unique and they have yeah, something really, exactly. they're uniquely yeah. good at something. So I think I have several close yeah. friends, including my brother, Matt. Of course, I can't be competitive with him because one, he was the last kid in, of all five kids. He got the height in the family. I didn't. And he's enormously successful and bright being, you know, head of breast cancer research at Mayo Clinic. Yeah. So, but we've hunted together all our life and obviously we're competitive when we hunt and all that. But I can tell you at a really deep level, I am not competitive with him. And I can, and I think it's because I can't be, but right. also, I don't know, for some reason, we just never ended up being competitive with each, yeah. with each other. Well, with, with friends too, you begin to celebrate, uh, you know, how, you know, how good they are, how prolific they are at, at something. That's, that that's part of the, you know, that, that's part of the joy of, of friendship. I, 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 it's funny. You know, we have a friend, a Brand, in uh, Bozeman, Montana, who's a dentist. And I'll tell you what, that guy is, is good. And I, oh my gosh. I, I've had people before, dentists, who have talked about his work and say, I, I don't know how he does that. He is so good. And, and I remember one time Brand said to me, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor, and he says, I just don't know how you can do what you do. I think that's amazing. And I said, what? I said, Brand, I look at you and I think, how do you do that? that that's amazing. And, and I thought, you know, that, that's the kind of attitude that can yeah. foster friendship. You, you know, and, and he was one of these guys, like everything he, he 
touch seemed to turn to gold. He was, uh, you know, he played NCAA basketball, got his team to... Uh, final you know, Four, wasn't well, it? They were half away from going to the Final Four, and they were playing UNLV. He was with Idaho State, and they, they were ahead at halftime, but they ended up losing. And he, yeah, but he, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, everything he did. And then uh, later, I remember, you know, he's in his 40s, and, you know, at halftime of a college game somewhere he you know he's in this contest he wins like 15 grand for he's just a deadly shot but you know there was a guy who who didn't need everybody to know that you know he's he's the best at this he's the best at that and people gravitate to that kind of of humility and and then if, if you really are good at something people people will uh you know they'll celebrate that but but you're i guess the point is you're able to well you're not putting up barriers you're not putting up barriers that really do kill friendships well i got to know brand through you he's your friend but through the years i have to say he is like you know with all this talent fly fishing and everything a bow hunting and yeah he's just good at everything he just yep. he just is there i don't think there's a stitch of arrogance in him. no there's not and that's uh that's that's, that's just so a beautiful rare. thing yeah. and and i think that's why everybody has wanted to be his friend yeah because uh, that's people like that i think yeah that's that's the kind of person i i want to be and you know some of us might feel like well we don't have that much to offer we're, we're not impressed with what we do well that's a good that's a good platform for uh, for friendship, isn't there? I absolutely. We've been talking more, you know, culturally and kind of the the context of of uh, kind of this hyper competitiveness that we have in our culture. But I also think if you didn't have any models growing up, uh, family, fathers, brothers, if you didn't download some of this, then you probably have some work to do to learn some skills. Yeah. And one is learning how to mm-hmm. take initiative. Yeah. And I, I just find we can, I can tend towards being really passive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to take an initiative. And then another, is, which is part of this, is learning to ask good questions oh, of other people. Oh, that's huge. Learning that how to huge. listen. Just yeah. stop talking about yourself. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. And, and I always say, and stop talking about your damn self all the time. But, yeah. Um, and that's just a hard discipline. I, I always love telling this story. So years ago, um, I, I, there was this founder of this tech company, and they were vetting different marketing firms. And so I, I ended up being the last person standing, and yet he wanted to get a final um, confirmation from one of his partners. And so we jump on a call, and I thought I was going to be grilled for an hour. And we start talking, and this guy was out of Florida, and you know he'd been larger than life personality in this industry and in tech industry, and just a, just a player, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So early on in the conversation, I turned the conversation around. He started asking me questions. I said, you know, I've heard so much about you. I said, before we talk about me and my firm, I'd love to hear about yourself. Forty-five minutes later, he was still talking. <laughs> okay. And then at forty, the forty-five minute mark, he goes, you know. This was a great conversation. I didn't get to talk much about you, but I think, yeah, this is a good fit. Let's do this. Yeah. And the conversation yeah. was over. Yeah. And I thought, oh my. This is not a good fit. Oh yeah. my. This wow. guy talked the entire time. And I think I think we're guilty of that. I can oh, be guilty of yeah. that. So I, I, I it's it's just one of those things that if you can't one learn how to take initiative and then learn how mm-hmm. to ask good question and be yep. a good listener. Sounds so cliche. Oh, I know. But if you're not inherently curious about other people, yeah. I think you're going to have a hard time 
creating and sustaining good friendships. You are. You know, we've had some fly fishing guides like that, and we've oh, had some yeah. great guides, but we've had some that that I don't know that I really care to fish with again because they... They hold court the whole time you're Right, there. and they take no interest. And believe me, that that's not the setting where sometimes I don't want... Don't don't ask me about what I do or about my family. I just want I just, to fish. I want yeah, I want to fish. I want to catch fish. So that's fine. But you know, in some of those conversations that we have, you know, at, at lunch, you get out of the boat, or or you you walk up somewhere if you're, you know, it's it's a wade trip, and you you sit down and you're you're chatting. You know, that's where you expect that maybe there would be some conversation that's mutual. Yeah. But yeah, we've had a lot of that. And it doesn't hit you right away, but at the end of the day, you say, "Wow, you didn't, didn't ask, ask a one single question. question about me." Yeah, and and I'm fine with that because I'm not hiring a friend. Yeah, I'm a hiring therapist. a therapist. I'm not hiring a therapist. But it makes me wonder, and, and maybe maybe it's a different persona, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe this is a guide persona. Maybe. But I wonder, is is this guy that way with his friends? If so, does he have friends? If he does, maybe they're all narcissistic. Yeah, and they, they're just talking above each other. Yeah, they, <laughs> they they get along well because they can all be in a room and they can talk about themselves. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So you, you know, I guess what we're saying is, is that friendship is first a mindset, then a different behavior. Dave, you shared recently uh, with me a long quote from a guy named David White that, that had some really profound insight into friendship. I thought it was really, yeah. really good. And the quote is, I think it was from that New York Times article. It says, the dynamic of friendship is almost always underestimated as a constant force in human life. A diminishing circle of friends is the first terrible diagnostic of a life in deep trouble, of overwork, of too much emphasis on a professional identity, of forgetting who will be there when our armored personalities run into the inevitable natural disasters and vulnerabilities found in even in the most average existence. Hmm. Wow. He goes on, but no matter the medicinal virtues of being a true friend or sustaining a long, close relationship with another, the ultimate touchstone of friendship is not improvement, neither of the other nor of the self. The ultimate touchstone is witness. The privilege mm. of having been seen by someone and the equal privilege of being granted the sight of the essence of another to have walked with them and to have believed in them and sometimes just to have accompanied them, however, for a brief span on a journey impossible to accomplish alone. Wow, that's powerful. Oh we, my. We, we ought to make some observations about that quote. We're going to talk about how fly fishing has helped our friendship, but what are some observations we'd, we'd want to make about that quote? I mean, it seems like one is that that you can count the number of close friends in your life on one hand. Isn't that it's true? It's true for me. Yeah. And, and that idea of witness is really intriguing. Yeah, that, that you're there to, you know, that, that you witness life. It's like you, you share life together. I mean, I, I do think that, that solid friendships can... Uh, uh, you know that that we sharpen each other that we you know that we can contribute to each other's growth but but at the end of the day it's not just oh I, because of I'm in this friendship I improved I think it's more of a byproduct of yeah, just totally, being there and witnessing totally, totally. somebody's life and sharing it with them yeah because if you're trying to improve me that means on some deep level you don't accept me right that's true and I'm like yeah. Meh. It doesn't mean you might say something to me if I'm going off a cliff or yeah. something, but mm -hmm. um, 
anyway, I yeah. think you're absolutely right. I think another is that when you find that kind of a friend, it pays to work hard at the relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think deep friendships don't just happen. And they also evolve over time. Another friend reminded me the other day about how some friendships idle yeah. uh, mm -hmm. for a time and how important it is to circle yeah. back to an idled friendship and invest yeah. in it again. I thought that was so interesting. Well, it is. It probably ours was that way. I mean, Absolutely. After, after I got married, we kind of both went our different ways. We were good friends. It just we're, we're living in different parts of the country. We're doing different things. I and was then, single. You're married with yeah. kids. And then we... We, we, we picked it up again, and man, we, you know, the, the accelerator to the floor, I guess, to use that image. Well, yeah, so maybe one question is, do you have some idle friendships that you can begin to yeah. invest again? Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. Really good point, especially, too, as you get older. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because it's, it's hard to form new friendships. They, they don't always happen. You know, something, too, as I think about that quote is, you and I don't spend time trying to impress each other. And that's interesting because, honestly... I have to admit this. I mean, I'm impressed by what you do, Dave. I mean, your, your mind, your writing, and whatever you might think of me, I don't feel like I have to prove myself, perhaps because you know that I'm such an amazing fly fisher. <laughs> yeah, right. No, seriously, I, I really hadn't thought about it before I heard this quote, but, but it seems like as, as a friendship grows more genuine that there's less need to impress. I mean, we're, we're rooting for each other. Absolutely. But I, I don't need you to know that I excelled at this or that. Uh, what I share is because I want you to witness it, you know, as, as a friend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think both of us have a deep mutual respect for each other. I mean, yeah. I'm so immensely proud of what you've done in terms of your preaching and your leadership at church, but also your academic pursuits. I mean, I can only hope to be as smart as you. Yeah. And you're writing, right? The books you've published. And for me, instead of feeling competition, I can honestly say I have a deeper and deeper admiration for the life you've created for yourself. Yeah, we feel that way that about each other. I don't know if accomplished, but when yeah. I think of your family and you yeah. look at the whole of someone's life, you just I just have great admiration. Yeah. I think it's one of the core things. That's really that phrase to yeah. witness it, yeah. not to try to improve or, but right. to witness what other people right. have done. And the improvement will come. You can't yeah, help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Proverbs in the Bible says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another." And that, that's true. That happens. It's, it, it's inevitable. But uh, yeah, we, we don't just go into the friendship saying, "Hey, I want to be friends with Dave because I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to make him a better person." No, that, that's a byproduct of, of witnessing your life, you witnessing mine. Hey, there's one more topic we want to explore, and it's how fly fishing has enriched our friendship. Now, I think we need to say this. It's obvious that any shared hobby or pursuit bonds friends together, and, and we get that. But what is it about fly fishing, Dave, that's different, say, than golf or going to baseball games. You know what? We have a mutual friend, Dennis, who did this for years with two buddies. Uh, they would go to minor league games. And I, I actually, that I, I think that uh, example, and then there was another guy who actually fly fished with a couple friends. His name was Murray. He's the guy who, who uh, lives and works right near uh, Nelson Spring Creek Ranch. But, you know, th those two, but, but even Dennis and this this friendship that he had and these guys going around to see minor league baseball games and I had lunch with them one day when they came through Bozeman and, and I thought I want to do this this is great and I, I think that's what uh, maybe was maybe on my side the impetus for what you and I have done together but 
But anyway, you know, what, what is it though about fly fishing that's different than golf, going to baseball games, or say playing guitar? I mean, those, those are all great pursuits, and, and they obviously have unique ways of enriching friendships, but maybe what does fly fishing do that, that other hobbies can't? And, and, I, and obviously there, there are things that other hobbies can do that fly fishing can't. That the point is not that fly fishing is the, you know, the superior way to have no. a friendship. That's not it at all. It's just that, no, there are some unique things about it. And we, we, you know, we suspect that if you're listening to this, you have some interest in fly fishing. So what is it that, that you can get out of that that maybe some other things won't, won't do as well for you? One of the zone that it puts you in, I mean, fly fishing, there's the windshield time to the river, there's yeah. the time on the river, there's the face-to-face -face eating afterwards, there's the regaling each other with stories. Mm -hmm. It is, it is kind of unique, and it's, it's uniquely non-competitive. Like, golf is, you know, there, you hit a number or you right. don't. And I guess mm -hmm. with fishing, there's some sense yeah. of either catch fish or you don't, but... So it does. I think it puts you in a zone like nothing else does. Yeah, it, it takes a certain kind of focus that crowds out other yeah, distractions. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and I think that, I mean, that, that works to our advantage personally in a lot of ways. One is it's, it's a great stress reliever. But I think when it comes to uh, a friendship, it, it does... It maybe does kind of remove some of that other clutter, so that in that moment we're we're in this shared venture, and we're we're kind of engrossed in it in a way that maybe you're not quite in in other activities. Maybe it's more casual in other activities. And hunting may do the same thing. I yeah. also think mm -hmm. the kind of country that you and I fish, at least, there's a risk factor. Yeah. And so there's just something that's. Yep. There's, I don't know, it's just unique. Yeah, well, and, and that's, a, I think that's another uh, thing that fly fishing does. It does put us in wild country. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's a mystique about that, or, or to quote C.S. Lewis, the great uh, philosopher, uh, the, the uh, Oxford Don, it's, it, there's an inconsolable longing. Or, or to quote Norman MacLean, a river runs through it, I'm, I'm haunted by waters. Now, I'm a huge baseball fan, and I, I do feel a sense of nostalgia attached to it, but it's, it's not the kind of mystique that I have with fly fishing. I've, I've never felt it either on the, on the golf course. There really is something about being in wild country. And, and you alluded to that just a moment ago. I mean, just pick up on that thought about the risk factor. Yeah, I, and I just think that the, being in that kind of country, this kind of country that you and I like to fish, in more wild country, it just puts us on high alert. And um, I think I've said this many times, I had a client for many years that was uh, one of the uh, great arboretums in the country. And they had this beautiful 1,700 acres and it's full of trees mm. and it's, it's really beautiful. And the people there are the best and what they do is the best. And I really enjoyed the engagement, but I have to say, there's still groomed bike paths, there's groomed trails to walk on. Mm -hmm. And I just don't enjoy it because it's not wild, right? Mm, and so with mm -hmm. the wild comes the risk, right? And yeah. like the guy who drowned in the boulder yeah. this summer or the yep. danger of getting attacked by a grizzly, like the one we saw on the ridge high above us when we were fishing the Yellowstone this summer. But what that does is it creates a sense of dependency that we must have on each yeah. other. I think that adds to the friendship, don't you? I think you? it does. Yeah. I, it does. And, and there's the joy of sharing our favorite pursuit 
But, but again, uh, you know, we, you and I have gone to major league games before. We've gone to Cards Twins, yep. Cards Cubs. Uh, notice the the, yeah. uh, the common denominator <laughs> Cards. there, Cardinals. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and and it's a blast. But but there's something about sharing the moment when one of us hooks a big rainbow, or when we saw that wolf, or oh, yeah. you know, when there's a bison in the trail 25 yards ahead of us. Uh, yeah, there there's a joy that that comes with that. That I don't know. To me, it seems like it's richer and deeper than anything else that you and I have done together. Yeah, for sure. And and somebody else who's a, I mean, we're big baseball fans, but somebody else who's a baseball fan and not a fly fisher may feel well that I, I get that with uh, the baseball. And that that's fine. We're not we're not denying that. We're just saying that. I think for those of us who like to fly fish, there, there's a deeper sense of communion, isn't there? Ah. Ooh, that's, that's a good a, word. That's a good way to, yeah, to yeah, put yeah. it. So I, I think it all goes back to the point we made at the beginning of our discussion that you made, and that is that friendship is first a mindset, uh, then it becomes a different behavior. You know, if you insist on being first or on being better, on having the friendship revolving around you, that, that mindset is going to erode it. And like we've said, it takes time, effort, commitment. And it helps to have a pursuit like fly fishing to provide the environment or what? The playing field, the yeah. laboratory yeah, in which it can true. take shape. I think everybody's unique too. I think just as a caveat here, uh, you know, there's people that are more extrovert, more introvert, people more competitive, less competitive, mm -hmm. people more inclined to have friends, less inclined to have friends. So we're, we're talking about, what we're talking about today is architecture typical is that what we're saying yeah it's an archetype mm -hmm. it's not yeah. the only way right i think in general though that uh, friendship i think is such an important piece for guys especially in the second half of life wherever that starts it might start in your 30s yep. um, your 40s whenever that is but um and i think to do it you must relentlessly pursue it because yeah. it's not just going to happen no, that's and, true. And not every nascent, nascent friendship will turn into a deep friendship. So you no. don't have to have tons of deep no, friends, right? No, that's true. I think that's very true. Yeah, and, the, you know, we, we are two guys in a river because we started out as two guys in a friendship. And yeah, friendship that's so true. And friendship led to yeah. uh, the podcast. So, yeah, hopefully there's something here that encourages you. Is that you too abstract to, or too soft yeah. a topic today? I don't know. Well, hopefully not. If, if, if it is, uh, hey, maybe next time we'll do something on improving your cast. We both have a lot of work to do on that. Don't we? <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I'm better at you or yeah, better yeah, right. than you oh, man. when, it, when yeah. it comes to fly cast. I guess it's... It's it's not hard to be humble when you're not perfect. Well, in, you sent me that article way. the other day. Remember, you sent me that article today about that. Was it a 16-year-old that's casting 167 oh, yeah. feet? Yeah, a, a young Holy woman, 15-year-old girl who's a yeah, championship fly caster. The story was just an outside magazine. And, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, sobering. <laughs> I know. I know it really is. Yeah, and I think your comment was, man, I wish we could have started that young. But then I, I think my reply was, yeah, but wouldn't have made any no. difference for me anyway. <laughs> I might get a half a, half yeah. a foot farther than I am I right know. now. <laughs> I, I, I would not have been a child prodigy. No. And it's funny because she said, I never expected to be this good at something. It, it caught her by surprise That's as well. That was such a delightful I know. article. That really is. So, yeah, uh, hey, maybe seek out one of those idle friendships or treasure the ones you have. and. And uh, we're get out on the river. Yeah, 
<laughs> That's for sure. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a recent comment from Mark, and this is what he writes. He said, I've been reading Luke Jennings' terrific book, Blood Knots. In it, he quotes a 15th century magician, John D., and here's the quote. Into the chaos the wish is cast. May it be harvested. Well, that just about sums up yeah. what fly fishing is. It's, it's a wish cast. It's a wish that you cast into the chaos. Oh, that's and then, great. then the hope that, that it might be harvested. So that's what we do every time we fly fish. That's abstract. Yeah. But it's also really powerful. I know. Isn't that? Into the chaos the wish is cast. May it be harvested. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's a metaphor for wow. a lot of stuff of life. Oh, it really Not is. Not just fly fishing. Yep. Hmm. Well, before we get too more abstract, uh, let's call it a day. <laughs> hey, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are two guys in a river. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>